Welcome to I'm In, the Institute of Hospitality's official podcast hosted by me, Phil Street, FIH. Today we're talking about building career and personal confidence and joining me to chat this one through we have Rizwan Khan, AIH, Jill Van Rest, MIH and Philip Rossiter, FIH. As always, a huge thank you to all three of them for giving up their time and opinion. Don't forget, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, just reach out to me directly at the email in the show notes. But for now, let's go and learn how to build personal and career confidence. Hello and welcome to the next episode of I'm In, the Institute of Hospitality's official podcast hosted by me, Phil Street, FIH. Today, we're going all deep and philosophical as we explore the process around building career and personal confidence. And I am, of course, not going to do this alone. I'm once again joined by three more wonderful humans from within the IOH membership who have all very kindly given up their time to chat to me about this today. So, first up, from within the fellowship, we have none other than ex-IOH CEO and something of a walking legend, that is Philip Rossiter. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Very well, thank you, Phil. Yeah, I'm not sure I, I like the, the walking legend. It sounds as if I might not, might not be around for much longer, you know. <laughs> Well, I suppose uh, legendary status is is given to you uh, unless you're confident, which is obviously what we're talking about today, and uh, and then you can take it upon yourself. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, how are you? Anyway, what's what's new in your world? Uh, I'm very well. I'm still um, doing lots of things. Um, as I've just as I mentioned to people, although I'm theoretically retired, well, I am retired. But for me, retirement is. Uh, the definition is that if I do something, I don't get paid for it. So that's my definition of retirement. So I'm involved in right. a few um, charitable things, trusts, and um, principally the um, vice chairman of the Victory Services Club in central London, which is near Marble Arch, which has um, recently acquired world-class status in its hospitality assured assessment. So it's been a HA member for many years and uh, has now reached that um called a holy grail of world class so i'm pleased to be nice. involved with that organization which is essentially a 200 room uh, hotel private members club for all ranks of the armed forces serving and retired so that's uh, what i'm doing um, amongst many other things that's one thing that keeps me uh, fairly busy at the moment i'm still very fit right. i still run and i've done the, the london marathons in the last couple of years at a reasonable time for a 76 year old so there we are that's me in the nutshell blame me now you're putting us all to shame. I, I haven't run one ma- marathon as a 45-year-old. Anybody else run a marathon? Definitely not. Not really, no. <laughs> Don't even plan to do it, to be honest. <laughs> Don't see myself. Uh, very good. Anyway, well, thank you very much for joining us, uh, Philippe, especially because you, you've very kindly curtailed a, a previous engagement to get here uh, on time. So thank you so much for that. And next up, from within the MIH ranks, we have Jill Van Rest, who is currently the hotel manager at Strand Palace, right in the heart of London. Hello, Jill. Hello, good afternoon. I am uh, speaking to you from the heart of London, in the office in the hotel. We have a very busy 788-bedroom hotel here on the Strand. Yeah, I was going to say, it is one of London's biggest hotels, isn't it? Correct, yes. And also one of the older hotels in London. We've been here since 1909, so it's a beautiful place to be part of. 
Yeah, and how is business right in the heart of London? That's what everybody says that London is doing incredibly well. So how, how's things looking for you? I would echo that. Yes, it's been it's been a strong year. Obviously, the festive season is upon us. So with Winter Wonderland, Christmas shopping um, just outside the door again, we are definitely not in a position to complain. Very good. Excellent. Well, you're very, very welcome. And then finally, from within our AIH members, we have Rizwan Khan, who's the general manager of Junsai, also in London. Hello, good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here and be surrounded by some amazing professionals. Fantastic. And me as well. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> uncertain, legendary. Oh, bless you. Yeah, well, how, how's life? What's new with you? Life's great. Uh, being in Junsai, it's um, amazing as you know, we, we've not been here for a very long time, just been two years. So we're getting into the busy season. You know, as Jill was saying, London is pretty busy. We're loving every inch of that. And, you know, we cannot complain. Things look good, positive and, you know, we just have to keep moving forward. Well, that's great to hear, actually, because uh, I think a, a lot of time it's very widely reported across all, I, I suppose, all media uh, outlets that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough old time right now to, to run a, a restaurant business. So it's really great to speak to people when they've got... Um, I suppose, a positive outlook on stuff, despite all of the challenges. Definitely. But, yeah, you know, there's always ups and downs in every business. And I know that's what keeps us going uh, ahead. The world is quite a certain place where things sometimes are going to affect businesses. But, you know, hospitality in general has always been affected by something. But I think that's what makes us quite stronger because we always find a ways to bounce back. And, you know, we keep you know, doing what we do in pleasing everyone. And I think that's what makes us special. Very good. I like that a lot. Well, thank you to you all for, for joining us to, today. We'll get into the, the topic in a, in a sec, but I'm going to come back to you, Philippe, and just talk about, uh, well, why did you say I'm in to the Institute of Hospitality all those years ago? Well, just before I do that, just as a strange coincidence, one of the, um, one of the participants at the funeral I was attending this morning was leaving the service at half 12 and she was going straight up to London because she's staying the night at the Strand Palace Hotel. That is a wise woman, a wise woman indeed. I thought you'd like that, John. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, going back to the point, well, I'd I'd spent 30 years in the army. My uh, My last posting was at the British Embassy in Paris and where I was likely to be able to extend for some time. And then I saw the post appear for chief executive of the HGIMA, as it was in those days. Um, this would have been in 2002. And I'd been a fellow of the, of the HGIMA for many, many years. So I thought I'd apply for the job. Um, not really thinking that I would have much of a chance, but there we are. And anyway, uh, I was very fortunate in... To, to be selected, it was a bit of a wrench emotionally to leave Paris on the, which we, my wife and I, were enjoying thoroughly. But no regrets, and we came back, um, and that's how I became involved in the HIMA and um, was instrumental, along with others, of course, uh, particularly the board at the time, in getting the change of name from HIMA to um, the Institute of Hospitality. So something about which I'm quite proud. Yeah, absolutely. I, what I, I like about that, actually, given the topic that we're discussing today as well, is that is that you said that you know you applied for the role, but you didn't really have any expectation that you were going to get it. So you know, despite that lack of confidence, look what happened. <laughs> yes, I suppose, and the reason for that is really um, having spent thirty years in what is 
I, I was a caterer in the army, so I wasn't completely disconnected from the industry in that sense. And I'd had a couple of jobs which actually brought me quite close to the, the hospitality sector, the civilian hospitality sector. Nevertheless, uh, the armed forces are a bit of a peculiar, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a closed shop as such, but you know, the very nature of the business means that you're somewhat segregated from normal civilian life. If one undertakes a full career at whatever rank level, one's movement through that career within the organisation is... Uh, particularly, I wouldn't say smooth so much, but actually it's almost predictable. And there are no great surprises, if you like. Whereas, of course, in civilian life, there's a there's a far greater regularity of movement. And, and quite often those movements are outside of one's comfort zone, and um, albeit possibly within the same sector. So I, I think that my reason for not being being particularly optimistic about being accepted for the job was simply because my background was fairly narrow, given you know given the fact I've been thirty years in the army. So that that was right. So it was a nice surprise when it when I was selected. So. Yeah, I suppose it, it probably highlights a, a topic for another day as well, in the sense that uh, you know there's in fact we have covered off experience versus attitude really, and you know in your own mind you may not have had the experience that you felt would be right for the role but in actual fact your your attitude and a different kind of experience is perhaps exactly what the role needed in that moment in time uh yes i mean it would be a touch big-headed to say i think you're right <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but certainly what i found when i arrived i mean i'd seen the the institute from afar as a fellow for some years and received all the you know magazines and everything else but once one's behind closed doors of an organisation, things are not always quite what they seem. And there was certainly quite a bit, I think, I felt at the time that needed not so much shaking up, but needed kind of recalibrating slightly. And when I arrived, we were in a decision had already been made, but the to move from Trinity Road, where the uh, the association had been for many, many years. And when I arrived, I spent about six weeks, two months in Trinity Row before we moved the office to Sutton. And uh, so there, w- there was a bit of an upheaval, but that gave, provided the opportunity to have a sit back and have a look at um, where this organisation was going to in the future. Indeed. Yeah, well, thank you for, for that. We should probably have a chat about your whole life and times, to be honest, by the sounds of it. It sounds like it'd be <laughs> a, a, a right good lesson. But in any case, over to you, Jill. Uh, why did you say I'm in to the IOH? Well, I've been keeping an eye on um, the various organizations around for some time, and I joined a few events, and I just noticed that I always left an event more energized uh, than I did coming into it. There are some great things happening in the Institute, a real drive to uh, increase, I think, the diversity of its members and the services it provides to its members, uh, and I'm really happy to be a part of that. Fantastic. Well, that's I mean, that's pretty clean and simple, really. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the idea of... Um walking away from the events feeling more energized than when you went in. I mean, that probably highlights that they're absolutely doing something right when it comes to that. Absolutely. There's always interesting discussions. There's always interesting people to meet. Uh, For me personally, especially younger entrants into the industry with new perspectives and observations that we as having X amount of years below the belt may not really see anymore. uh, I always find it really refreshing and interesting to hear from them. 
Absolutely. Great stuff. And then finally over to, to you, Rizwan. What, why did you say I'm in to the IOH? Well, um, I've been following the Institute, to be honest, from 2022 beginning of the years of 2022 uh, months. Um, for me, it was, um, you know, following the panels and networking events. And I took an initiative to take part for the uh, 2023 Russian Manager of the Year, uh, beautiful competitions uh, laid by the IOH, which, uh, you know, I took a part and I thought, let's see where this will go. I was quite lucky to be one of the top 14 UK managers of the 2023. And I got given this beautiful associate present by the IOH for being part of it. And then, you know, it's been an amazing ride, uh, being able to go to all the networking events, seeing all the panels, learning new things every day. And, you know, just being able to, you know, be part of it. So, you know, you can do your part for the hospitality industry by following IOH has been quite good. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for that. We're well. We're going to get stuck into this now. And actually, thinking about what you just said there, Rizwan, you had the confidence to apply for the competition. You see, there we are. There's lots of confidence stories all the way through this. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll get some more of this uh, out as we get through the fullness of the discussion. But today's opening statement is this: Inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit home and think about it. Go out and get busy. And that's from the prolific author and speaker, Dale Carnegie, who I think his most famous works was probably How to Win Friends and Influence People. Some wise words in there, I think, uh, as well. But I'm going to open this with, uh, as I always do, which is a pretty open question to all of you, and anyone can jump in on this. But what is the importance of confidence in both our personal lives and in our careers? I mean, I think from a personal point of view, your being confident delivers a kind of positive attitude um, and and a frame of mind internally. Because if you are confident, uh, without being overconfident, something we'll probably touch on later. But if you are confident, then you feel good about yourself, and your mind is therefore much better placed to uh, meet challenges as they as they arise, as they certainly will do. Um, and, it, and one of the principal benefits of confidence, of being confident, is that, that it enables you to engage with others in a very positive way, um, in a way that um, if you're not confident and you hang back, you miss real opportunities for personal development, a bit like Rizwan's just touched on, but also personal well-being, feeling well about yourself. Uh, the amount of times you might have a chance conversation with somebody because you were confident to talk to them and find that you've got similar likes and dislikes, you both went to the same school or whatever it might be, um, and suddenly you're at ease, you're relaxed. And I think having confidence enables you to make that first step to widen your horizons. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I think you're completely right, Philip. It gives you some sort of calm in yourself. Um, if you're confident in yourself, you that that's at least one worry off the plate, right? And I think at, at work, it also can open a lot of doors to opportunities and promotions, um, especially in our industry. We are face to face with guests, some happy, some less happy. If you come out to speak with them with confidence, you'll be in a much better position to resolve that situation. And that obviously helps you moving forward in your career. If your superiors see that you can handle things and that you are composed um, when dealing with situations, it hopefully will open a path for progression. Yep. Yeah. Rizwan. 
And I, I think, think, uh, think uh, what Philip and uh, Jill has said, uh, they're very, you know, they, they've said quite good things about being confident. I think um, it is very important. Yes, as I think it opens doors even in your interpersonal and personal skills. Um, you become, you know, positive. Uh, positive uh, attribute is very important to do your day-to-day task, and also it helps you motivate just not only you but the others as well, because people see you as a leader, and also will see you that like, you're the one who's, you know, open to take new challenges. Uh, push yourself uh, and you know the world is filled with opportunities and you don't want to miss them and but you don't also want to have regrets of missing them so i think confidence is a key as they say and i think you know it just keeps on uh, boosting your positivity your body language and i think there's x and x amount of skills that you unlock when you have the confidence build up on you yeah i i love that and um i think the the i suppose it then begs the question because we're we're probably not born confident. It must be a learned behavior, I, I guess. So how do you go about gaining confidence? Because I, I, that there's a theory out there that says that we all we, we do when we live is that we, we jump from one vulnerable situation to another. And how you deal with that vulnerability, and that vulnerability can be as simple as you know, how you feel on the first day at work or when you go to an interview or the first time you you place a, an order, you know, when you're a kid, when you just don't have any skill in how to deal with people. And all of these in li- tiny little vulnerable situations that we put ourselves through. So how do you get to a point whereby you can feel that you are confident enough to, I don't know, kind of go into any space and give a, a good account of yourself? Um, I think um, it's more of a, um, it's based on, you know, it's not a one-day thing that you can build up your confidence in one day. As they say, room wasn't built in a day. It will take time, but it also depends on knowledge. I think um, as I follow a lot of uh, inspiring people in my life, and uh, one of the person that I normally look up to is one of the theology who saw me, Vivekananda, said that knowledge is power. So I think if you gain knowledge and you have people to guide you and also show you the right way, uh, I think, you know, the confidence can build up slowly, slowly, but you do need to step in. You cannot just be standing in one area and then thinking, okay, I am there, but I'm not ready. You know, those uh, self-intrusive thoughts coming into your head, shall I jump in or not? I think this this kind of things, you have to take initiative. You have to take a risk of going in. And I think there's always positive and negative scenarios and, you know, in every actions. But I think it's important for us to realize, okay, if I've done something wrong, it's not the end of the world. I have to carry on. I have to learn from it and just push myself. It's just like, you know, in hospitality, when you take your first order, you know, you have those intrusive thoughts holding you back. Like, am I going to be taking the order rightly? Is the chef going to be upset if I've taken a right order? Or am I going to be able to tell the guest all the information about a menu? But you have to jump in because you have to start from somewhere to be somewhere. So I think uh, confidence does play that important part but has those amazing backup, you know, you're all the backups behind you, all the mentoring and all the teaching that lives up to a particular stage for you to push forward. And I think that way confident affects our personal and valuable lives to go on and go on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I agree entirely with that. I mean, the 
you said right at the beginning, Phil, that um, you know we're, everybody, every human being's faced with this. Well, it's true because from the minute one's born, everything's a challenge. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah. because, you, uh, because you've not done it before, so everything is a bit of a, a worry potentially. So you know your first day at primary school, your first day at secondary school, when you go to uni, each time you do that, you're actually testing your confidence because you're putting yourself into an unfamiliar situation. Uh, of course, and the same as you mentioned, you go to the first day at work. Each of those aspects are, are brand new. Now, of course, they occur early in one's life as a, when one's younger. And over time, that, that those kind of shocks and surprises kind of lessen to some degree as we be, become more aware and more experienced, particularly, which and the experience develops confidence, of course. But in each of those stages, there are always people around to support you uh, when you're at school it's your parents um, but also you've got teachers um, you've got mentors at schools uh, similarly at university you're not completely and utterly alone and I think um, in certainly making sure that you you ask questions right from the very word go it's it's there's nothing wrong with asking questions particularly when you first started in any kind of environment if you ask the same question six months after and you haven't changed the question, then you need to start looking at yourself. But, and then research what's going on and observe. Look what other people do all the time. See how they behave or misbehave and then take take that as a lesson, essentially. So I think the whole of life is a learning curve and each stage is you know requires an element of confidence to be developed. So. I think the gentlemen have, have both said it very well. For me, I imagine it, as more of a staircase, you go up a step every time when the, when a new situation or a new challenge arises, and hopefully, if you try not to skip too many steps, you you learn every time. And the more the more knowledge you gain, like Rizwan said, the more prepared you feel for that next step uh, up the staircase or up the ladder. So I think the key is to just practice small steps every time, take on a little bit more, speak to a different audience every time. And then slowly you grow. And I don't think we're ever finished in building our confidence either. It continues throughout your entire life. There isn't a time when you go, that's it. I'm confident enough. I'm covered for the rest of my day. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? I mean, uh, 2020 reminded us all of that. I think that um, the, at any given moment, you know, you, all of the, the wonderful skill and confidence that you might have developed through your life can be can be tested mm. in any any moment. Um, and I suppose the key thing is, is that I actually really love your point there about uh, the small steps. Don't, you don't need to be in a hurry to take massive leaps when it comes to building your, your confidence base. You know, the small steps actually will help build a better foundation for the, the future. Yeah, so I think it's, that's a, a massively important message. I'm actually, I'm going to come back to a point you just made there, Philippe, about um, about support networks. I mean, how these are massively important, aren't they? Because I was actually, I was on a, a discussion just a couple of weeks ago with somebody, and I, I was talking to them about my own particular story and how lucky I am to have parents who love me to bits. I've got a great brother, a wonderful wife. I've got, you know, people around me at work and in play that that support me and 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 kind of there as a safety net, if you like, if if things are not going according to my plan. I mean, how important is that? Because I think we we could probably all recount situations as well whereby mentors have given you 
a lift when you don't necessarily feel like you have that lift yourself. So, yeah, I mean, how important is is the, the support network that you have in building your confidence? Um, I think it's um, it's critical. The one's own personal domestic environment can be quite crucial in, in you know sort of helping you and assisting you through your sort of work life approach. And certainly um, throughout my time in the army and, and ever since, of course, my I couldn't have done what I've, I've done without a very supportive wife. And in the army, quite often that means you know absences and uh, separations. <clears throat> so, but, but without that stability, that domestic stability. Uh, life would have been far more challenging. But also beyond that, within the working environment and the, the personal environment, which is not necessarily related to work. So I'm thinking here of societies one might belong to, associations, sports clubs. All of those provide a network of support and interest. And as long as you're engaged with people, you can often unburden yourself on a particular challenge um, where your wife or you know, your partner has heard it 10 times over and no longer wants to listen. But the chap <laughs> you, know, you, you, you run with or you cycle with, who's not in, the, in any way connected with your, you know, your area of work, your area of employment, can be a sounding board. And that's always also very useful. And I think finally, without you know, sort of banging on about it, the, the, the whole business of um, engaging with potential mentors, which the Institute is being very good at, currently, I think provides that kind of safety support, which is industry related, but not kind of work connected. Um, So you can unburden yourself knowing full well that um, the problems that you're facing currently are not going to go any further. So I think that those kind of networks and supports are essential to to your own well-being and um, positive mindset. Yeah, absolutely. I'll maybe just open this question to, to anyone again really around that do you have any specific anecdotes or stories from your own career where you've been in a situation where you felt vulnerable but the the network with which you were in picked you up and and got you to a place where you felt you could deal with it yeah i I think definitely if i can answer that phil um i remember when when i was given my first management position back in 2013 every single team member that i was responsible for was older than i was um, and I really felt the, the way they looked me up and down that first morning when I got introduced. So thankfully, the organization I was with at the time coupled me with a mentor who really helped me almost sort of de- develop my vision for that team as a leader and helped me verbalize to the team what I stood for and, and what I wanted to do with the team, uh, which was essential because otherwise I think I would I would have just floated uh, for quite some time trying to find my voice. I think there's a lot of, maybe pressure is a bit too strong of a term, but a lot of expectations nowadays on young people to have values and stand for things and to have principles. But it takes time to find out what those values are for you and and how you can display them um, at work. And having a mentor alongside you, guiding you through that, for me, was extremely helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else got any uh, any similar stories? Well, <clears throat> I'll just step in. You know what Jill said. I have a very similar resemblance to that as well. Um, I became a manager when I was nineteen years old. You know, when you become a manager at a very young age, and as Jill was saying, you know, the the support from the organization is very important. 
because you know people that look up to you they might start doubting and then you start doubting yourself if you were the right person to be in that scenario and you know it becomes quite a challenging scenario and you feel vulnerable as you know uh, as you're mentioning those particular points but i think the key is you know uh, having a great mentor a mentor can really change the perspective of how you're doing your day-to-day task and you know it comes to yourself believing on what you're doing is right or wrong and i think communication is very important being vocal is very important uh, being you know stating all the points and having a great leader and a mentor is also very important i think they will tell you what you're doing right what you're doing wrong and also having the acknowledgement of being able to self criticize and open to criticism is also a very valid point uh, in the scenario so you know it can help you work on your strengths and weaknesses and you know and it can help you achieve what your goals are and you know it helps you give that motivation not only to motivate yourself but also to motivate others and i think this is very important on you know mentors in life because i've i've been quite uh, fortunate enough to have a professional team where i can tell i've got a lot of mentors and i've been quite blessed with that and i think it becomes my responsibility as well to be mentors to others who are also trying to grow in our industry because hospitality is all about you know coaching and you know uh, training the others so they could shape the new future uh, you know both profoundly and put hospitality into a better shape for this world yeah i mean i i i we could probably go on about this these kind of stories exist in and probably pretty much anyone who's gone on to any degree of successes story will you know i once heard somebody say there's no no such thing as somebody who's self made they are made by the people that they are surrounded by and it's very it's just a, such a similar thing in in a in the sense that we're talking about with when it comes to confidence because if I, I even look back at my own story and think, who do I become if I don't have these mentors who were promoting me before I thought I was ready, who were then supporting me when I was promoted in order that I could then deal with people who were 20 years more experienced. And all of these little journeys that you go on to where you just feel consistently out of your depth in some ways, but critically somebody is underpinning you in order well to allow you then to to make the mistakes which you're inevitably going to make but actually so much confidence comes from making mistakes and then learning from that critically and being able to take that learning forward because obviously the next time you're in a similar situation you're better armed so you you should inevitably be a bit more confident about it yeah absolutely yeah very true yeah yeah solving some problems today <laughs> yeah well i mean talked about confidence uh, to some extent. Now, it can sometimes be mistaken for arrogance, and actually you alluded to this a little bit earlier on, Philippe, but how can individuals strike the right balance? And I think actually there's quite a lot of little balances need to be struck when it comes to confidence because you you don't want to be underconfident, you don't want to be overconfident. So how do you get that balance right between self-assuredness and humility? That's a good question, but it's an important one because it can become one can become very arrogant, particularly if one is in a specialist field. Here, I'm thinking perhaps uh, a kitchen brigade, where somebody who's kind of risen risen from sort of commie to head chef to perhaps executive chef, uh, highly talented from a technical point of view, but not necessarily developed in the broader managerial sense, and they can become quite 
arrogant. I'm not saying all chefs are arrogant, so don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm using a kind of a, I'm trying to find a, a, a situation, but the, the arrogance is built up on the basis of expertise and knowledge. So it, typically you might find it in today's life in somebody who's in the IT department. And when some 70-odd-year-old like me comes in with a sort of a numpty question, they, 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 you know, they raise their eyes to say, you know, which planet does he just come from? That sort of thing. And that mm. kind of arrogance about one's own particular abilities can over overspill in dealing with others. And it reminded me, I've noticed the thing on, on arrogance in the, your sort of sheet that you sent out, that the um, there's a very interesting, the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst, which tra- trains officers for the British Army, the motto there is serve to lead. And I yeah. think that kind of encapsulates what you're we're trying to achieve in any kind of walk of life, that it's not no, it's not about knowing better than anybody else, but it's about ensuring those who you are supporting and leading are supported by you and your attitude to them is is vital. And by being arrogant, all you're doing is creating a, a barrier which is going to lead to you know, disaster if one's not careful in the long run, either personally or from a team point of view and ultimately from a business perspective. So I think it's something that you need to look at and look at yourself all the time because if you can recognise arrogance in other people, then you sure as hell should be able to recognise it in yourself. Yeah, for sure. I, I think with with that as well, it, it's surely it is the job of a leader to build confidence in the the individuals. Let you know, let to, I suppose, give them the best possible chance of flourishing themselves. If you're continually breaking them down, uh, as it were, and that's your leadership style and i use that in inverted commas yeah then actually you know what are you actually achieving by doing that other than almost undermining your own authority yes yeah no agreed and if you don't engage with people you know it's that that old um adage of you know manage management by walking about the only way you actually engage with with um, the teams that you're supporting are, is by engaging with them so if it's in an office environment you walk around in France, for example, less so nowadays since COVID, but before, when when you got to work as the boss, the first thing you did is you went around and shook everybody's hand in the workplace. Certainly when I was at the Institute, I'd come in in the morning and when everybody was in, I'd walk around and say hello to everybody. Hotel managers do that all the time. They're always walking the floors, either to see the team, talk to the teams, see what's going on, but also, most importantly, to talk to the guests, to make sure the guest needs are looked after. Well, you can only do that from a position of some humility, um, because if you're arrogant in doing so, it will it will not work. It will not work on the customer, and it certainly will not work on the team. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, if I may step in, I think it's um, you know arrogance builds up over the time when you're when you're, as you were saying, it's the gap of balancing between overconfidence and then being too arrogant and then you know you're losing yourself towards it uh, i think is there are a few things where you can overcome it um, if you think you know like being able to feedbacks um, not having a you know a, a particular word saying i know everything because you know there's always something new to learn every day also being able to you know uh, to 
learn from everyone it could be somebody who has more experience than you or somebody who doesn't have experience more than you i think being able to have that you know acceptance of uh, you know learning new things from everyone being uh, you know not just like being like okay i know everything or let that you know small ego of yours build up over the time i think that's where people lose their touch and you know being very egoistic could actually actually like you know be your downfall and i think confidence is good which is very important but i think overconfident is the way as as philip said you know if you're able to judge somebody's arrogance you could look up you can you look into yourself to find that arrogance as well i think that's a very valid point i think you look yourself into the mirror and find those points on validating it i think that's very important as well yeah absolutely jill any any points to add no i think it's definitely been covered by the gents thank you yeah no worries i just like the little uh, reference from philip there about hotel managers walking around i can i can uh, <laughs> confirm that that is still the case <laughs> <laughs> once upon arrival uh, and once just before I leave every day very good very good but I mean how else are you supposed to know what's going on in your business right if you're not um, exactly. you're yeah. pressing the flesh with the people who come through either from the colleague's perspective or the guest perspective but uh, in any case that's a, a story for another day <laughs> how do we guard against it going too far the other way because actually I, I suppose one of the the ways that you can I suppose guard against becoming too arrogant or arrogant in any kind of form is is uh, maximizing the humility that you you throw yourself into situations with so but how do you then um, I suppose this is probably more prevalent from a leadership perspective than than anything else how do you how do you ensure that it doesn't go too far the other way and that you you then become too humble as it were or can you actually be too humble I, I don't know it's a, a very open question I don't think you can be too humble, but you you can you can be maybe in a position where you're not showing enough confidence or assertiveness. Uh, I think slightly slightly different from humility. I think it's extremely important for leaders to retain that humility and be grateful for the people in their teams that are doing the legwork day in day out, which is oftentimes unglamorous but so essential because. Um, if I always say we, we can have 75 people that can read a balance sheet, but if we have no room attendants or dishwashers, the hotel would be would be in a mess. Uh, yeah. So I think it's it's important to keep that humility and to keep being realistic enough to know that, yes, you have a value, but your value is not necessarily greater than any other team member in your business. Yeah, that's beautifully summarized, actually, in that line. Gents, anything to, to add to that? Jill's quite correct. I mean, you need to be being humble is one thing, but um, humility such that you are kind of hiding that old phrase, you hide your light under a bushel, that you you are not obvious to people can be counterproductive because people will begin to lose confidence in you, particularly as a leader, as a team leader. So you need to balance the need the need to be confident and actually how you deal with situations and individuals, but also you need to be humble enough to to be able to to accept criticism, to accept commentary, to and the only way you do that is by creating a an environment where everybody feels able to talk to you as the leader 
and in an honest and open manner without having their head bitten off. And you'd be surprised how many home truths might come out and things you didn't know about yourself. So I think there's an element of needing to take stock occasionally and becoming a little bit more self-aware um, of your own shortcomings in, in, in the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. Rizwan, anything? I think uh, the, they both have uh, put words very kindly enough said, you know, I'm just learning from all this information. <laughs> I'm just enjoying <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I have nothing to say. on it. I think they, they both have put it very nicely. No, that's cool. Philip, you um, you brought up the point of self-awareness, um, which was, was something I wanted to delve into. It's come up actually a couple of times in this, this conversation. But I mean, is confidence actually possible if you don't have some degree of self-awareness? Um, I think it's difficult. I think you're quite right. I think it's that you've hit on a particular point. I think it is difficult. You, you, you need to be self-aware. You need to be able to do a SWOT analysis on yourself because you do that if you're going to create a business plan. If you're going to open a new business, you know, one of the first things you do is have a SWOT analysis. Um, if you're running a current business, you do a SWOT analysis. And from that stems the beginnings of the, the ultimate business plan, where you're going to put your resources. Well, you ought to do that on a personal basis because if you're honest with yourself and you go through that exercise, you should know what your limits are, what you're good at, what you're not so good at. And you need to be able to recognise those gaps in your knowledge, gaps in your expertise. And if you don't want to display those openly to your team or to the environment, then there are mechanisms for um, learning about it. You could do some self-learning. You could you know, say, well, here's a gap in my knowledge. What can I do about it? Um, so that when you do engage on a particular topic, you have some knowledge. And when and the engagement will then, you'll be surprised. If you go in with uh, half, a, you know, half a percent of some knowledge on something, and, but you talk sensibly to somebody who's an expert, all of a sudden, You'll, you'll, you'll become not an expert, but you'll uncover all sorts of information which they will freely share with you because you've shown an interest, albeit you come from a limited base. So I think it's that self-awareness is something you need to, to develop by constantly checking your own self. Now, you either do it as an individual or you do that, you know, if you're in a partnership with your partner, with your friends, you know, uh, and if you've got good friends, close friends, well, ask them their opinion. You know, what do you think about me? Do you think I should do this? You know, so I think it's critical. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree very much with what Philippe said. And um, somebody said to me once, the biggest compliment that you can give somebody is to ask them a question about what they do or what they know. Um, and Philip touched on that when he said, you know, speak to people that are experts in their field to increase your own knowledge and to learn from them it it's it's essential i think especially for people in roles like like i am in where we're more general uh, managers rather than subject experts you need to maintain the relationships with those experts around you to know enough to guide the business forward and i think the only way to do that is to be open to to have some humility to admit that maybe you don't know enough and to have enough confidence to approach somebody who would know enough and ask them for their input. Yeah, absolutely. I, do you know the, the thing there about um, the, the kind of the gaps in your knowledge doesn't necessarily need to then translate into 
having a lack of confidence towards the, the, the job you do. In actual fact, this is something I've found as I don't want to sound completely patronizing, condescending, whatever the word is. But as I advance through my years, one of the things that I actually now take huge confidence in is is going into a room with a lack of knowledge almost and but just having the confidence to ask the right questions because you I almost by in by doing so I'm kind of taking my own bias out of the equation when it comes to what I know about something what I believe I know about something and um and and therefore it just gives gives me a much better chance of engaging with somebody well because I'm taking more interest in what they've got to say than what I have to say myself uh, and I appreciate that kind of is a, a little bit um, of an oxymoron, given the fact that I'm now imparting my knowledge on this point. But, <laughs> but nevertheless, it is something that I've uh, I, I never used to. I always felt I had to go away and and gain my co- the confidence that I gained through knowledge in silence on my own time. You know, figure all that out, and then I can go into a room and be better informed. Whereas now, I just take huge confidence in not being informed. And I don't mean that in an ignorant way, just that I'm going to be really interested in in what you've got to say. Left field idea, I know. <laughs> no, I, I agree. And I think it's it's necessary as well, because the world the world changes so quickly. You know, even having studied hospitality, I'm less than 35 years old, but, you know, e-commerce, that wasn't a thing when I was in university learning about how to be a GM. Maybe further back, for Philip, maybe revenue management wasn't a thing when he first started in the industry. So you have to keep an open mind and and keep engaging with people that are coming from the left and the right, bringing new disciplines and ideas into the industry, because otherwise you will you will lose out and you will not be the best leader for your team that you can be. Yeah, I, I think that's a great, great point. Sorry, Philip, on you go. No, 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 no. I was just going to say, I, I, again, I, I agree with Jill entirely. And I think this her, her opening comment about asking somebody a question about what they are doing is a, is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of interest and it's a sign of good leadership because you're, uh, you're, the fact that you're interested in what they're doing means that you're interested in them as an individual and what the contribution they're making to the greater good of the organisation, whatever organisation that might be. So I think it's a, it's a real talent of, of confidence and leadership combined, which is only can only go to the greater you know the benefit of uh, any business yeah absolutely uh, we are short on time but i um I, yeah i just wanted to to thank you guys for your input today as with most of these discussions i am sure we've left lots out there still to be covered and discussed are there any parting comments from anybody that you feel is uh, it, you're confident enough to be able to say this is a this is a wonderful thing that will help you in your quest for confidence. Um, if may I, um, I think um, in this scenario, just you know, talk to people, uh, understand yourself better. You know, it helps you develop. Don't think that you're you're not ready for it. You know, you you have to push yourself. You know, the world is an amazing place. It's surrounded by beautiful people, beautiful human, and and get yourself in, involved in a lot of networking events if you want to move forward, learn something new. I think. That helped helped me as well to where I am. Uh, for me, there's a lot of things yet more to achieve. Uh, set yourself some goals, uh, create a personal development plan, and I think, and yeah, get some great mentorship from you know whoever you can find yourself to see like this is a leader. And I think that will help you gain confidence and also 
you learn something in terms of knowledge, don't keep it to yourself. Share it to the world. I think that's very, very important in this uh, time. And I think, you know, that's my point of view saying these are important things to help yourself in the in the long run, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've summarized the podcast perfectly there, Rizwan, to be honest. <laughs> you know, it's, it's been amazing, you know, even uh, listening from Philip and Jill, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, I myself have learned today. And I think the people listening to this podcast as well uh, have found it to be more resourceful and informative. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, look, thank you so much, guys. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I'm i sure we'll catch up with each other across IOH events at some point. Uh, and I wish you all a very pleasant day ahead. Just thank just you. one thing. Um, oh, go on. Yes. If you've got a couple of seconds, just picking up on what Rizwan just said. I think mm. one of the key things where the Institute plays a hugely important role is the um, the whole business of networking. It's a vital aspect of careers development. It gives you a greater awareness of the wider world and the you know the the IOH branch structure as well as you know the podcasts and the other organisations like the you know the Craft Guild of Chefs, the uh, Golden Keys um, associations. All those engaging with all of those, depending on your particular area of interest and employment within the industry absolutely vital and critical to your career development and your uh, confidence building measures because um, there's a complete support mechanism in there which those associations and the institute particularly provides for everybody i mean once a company boy always a company boy felipe i mean the, uh, <laughs> yeah you probably I... just did my job for me there actually <laughs> <laughs> sorry but robert would no. tell me off if i didn't say something about the institute so <laughs> no no i mean i jest but you're absolutely right i mean uh, you know the, the 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 vast resource that the ioh is not just in terms of knowledge base but just the humans that are involved in in and what you can learn from and uh, collaborate on and all of these wonderful things that just help move your life forward i mean it's just a, a you know it's a it's a fantastic base to to just get your foot in uh, into hospitality and get stuck in yeah absolutely wonderful right well thank you once again guys and uh, yeah i wish you a, a, a pleasant evening ahead same thank to you, you. Thank you. Pleased to have met you jill and rizwan pleasure here pleasure I'm not sure I recognise you as I pass you in the street, but at least I've spoken to you. So both fantastic. <laughs> you see me walking around in the Strand Palace. That that's yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Take care, guys. See you. Okay. Bye. 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 I'm in. I'm in. Today's episode of I'm In covered I'm building in. personal and career confidence and featured Rizwan Khan, AIH, Jill Van Rest, MIH, Philippe Rossiter, FIH, and of course hosted by me, Phil Street, FIH. A huge thank you goes I'm to the IOH's very own Sonia Cresswell, MIH, for artwork and branding, and Leon Williams, FIH, for the music. To say I'm In and feature on a future episode, contact phil.street at instituteofhospitality.org. And to find out more about the Institute of Hospitality or to join our hospitality family, please click the links in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening, and join us next time where we'll be learning whether net zero is even possible. I